What's going on, everybody? Yeah. Welcome back to my podcast. On a windy and beautiful Outer Banks spring time. Yes, it's been uh, the life-giving winds that have come, are coming off the sound from the west. And they bring that shimmer on the water and a little moisture, the heat, and it's life. You can feel that southern breeze, right? You feel that turning into the season of chill. When all the crowds show up, when everybody's getting ready to like get their swerve on, it's awesome. But yeah, I had that moment walking on the edge of the water today, just looking out, just feeling it and seeing little waves on the sound and the little glisten of the sunlight and the way it felt. And I was like, oh yeah, life. So encouraging. Super duper into it. Um, Music. There'll be some everything shows. There'll be some solo shows. Still tweaking the mix to a new everything song. We are starting a Kickstarter campaign in May to raise funds to make the album of our lives. I will let you all know how you participate in that. It's going to be great. We are in a great place right now, and we are so excited to make music and connect with people. It has been so fabulous to not have a pandemic and to have the opportunity to get together and to play music and to vibe out and just let go of the past, which is amazing. And that is the theme of today's podcast with you. So wherever you are, whenever you are, however you are, I hope you're being good to yourself. And I hope that your life is being gentle with you. And if it's not being gentle, at least you're giving something back. Um, my birthday was April the 8th. It was one to forget. There was a nor'easter. Uh, my household was sick. So it was uh, not what I planned for. And it's interesting in the past, and even this go around, birthdays have been hard for me. I don't know how they are for you, but it's sort of, uh, for me, a time of sometimes extreme self-judgment. And I think sometimes that's just the spring energy, right? It's coming from the earth up through your spine into your brain, and you get that April rage, hyper, just hyper energy, you know, that can also just sort of go sideways when you're not expecting it. Um, back in the day when I was uh, participating in the alcohol situation, I would uh, often have bigger benders around April. Um, and that idea of just sort of self-judgment, like another year has gone by and what have you done with yourself? And it was really, really interesting because it was kind of intense this go around and I was doing some work on that. And I was like, you know, what is going on here? And one of the things that I did, uh, I started a, a book of weeks. I don't know if I mentioned this last podcast, but uh, we get 520 weeks every 10 years. I'm 53, so you know I'm like, hey, I got you know 1,500, 2,000, something somewhere in there. And 
I've started to just write down things that are memorable in this book. Got a little book. I'm just writing things down because I want to have really good weeks and I want to celebrate that and I want to stay in the positivity and just live my life to the fullest. Um, one of the things that's been interesting about that, uh, there's been a lot of stuff coming up with working with the band again because I spent a lot of time on the road, had a hit song, had a brush with fame. It was kind of weird. I have some weird memories about it. Um, and... I have been digitizing footage from a camera that I was carrying on the road in 1998 and 1999, which was when Hooch was blowing up. So the starting in May of 1998, it started to go crazy on KBCO out in Colorado. And then it was a wild ride up through the next year. So Hooch was a really a serious hit for about 18 months. Um, and that summer of 1998, it was like, it's on. I mean, it was... So much stuff was happening so fast. And what's interesting is, is that I felt like I had been designed for that my entire life. Like the f kind of the more it got big, the more it made sense to me. It was like the bigger the room, the bigger the stage, the more I felt comfortable. More so than even just sort of being alone in a house or just doing normal stuff. Like I didn't know how to do that. Um, and what's interesting is looking at this digitized foot, uh, footage, what I'm reminded of is just the innocence of things. Like I have this memory of, of an ambitious young man who's, you know, starting to drink too much and was trying too hard and was insecure. But when I look back, I'm like, oh, we were kids having fun. You know, even like late 20s kids, but still young and just there was a lot of humor and a lot of lightness in it. And so to see myself like in Minnesota in huge shows in Red Rocks at like doing a video shoot in Los Angeles and doing a video shoot in Virginia and just the Rosie O'Donnell show and like kind of, you know, busting up on the stage at Saturday Night Live. And it was really interesting to see. And it brought up stuff, but it was also very light. It was like, oh, okay, cool. That's It's nice to see that. And it was really nice to unearth that footage. Um, I'll be sharing some on my social media, on the band's social media. We'll be talking about it with the Kickstarter, um, just to sort of ignite the vibe again. Um, but I just posted 48 seconds of camcorder footage from the summer of 1998 that was shot by myself while on stage in front of over 30,000 people at an outdoor festival in Tulsa that I believe was called the Edge Fest. And I call it when time slowed down. And it's always a moment that I can recall with great clarity that gave me some insight as to who I was and what was going on and also who I am and what's going on. So... There's this concept back in the late 90s. I don't know how it is now, but um, it was like uh, Hooch was a radio-driven song. It costs money to have promoters promote your songs to radio. It's like getting elected. Like you can't do it without a lot of money behind it, um, or you couldn't then. Um, and it was illegal to pay people to play your song, but there are all kinds of ways to influence the circumstance to allow that program director to feel okay playing your song that involved money, just not directly. 
and there is a value trade that went into it. And so every radio station would have some sort of a festival. So the K-Rock Festival was one of the big ones. Um, I think Charlotte had the Weenie Roast. Maybe that was in Atlanta. Um, but every station had a big festival. HF Festival in D.C. was huge, played at a stadium. And all of the radio stations would ask for the bands that they wanted. And you would essentially play their festival for free. And in exchange, they would either go harder on your single and play it more or pick it up or there's some relationship there. So in the summer of 1998, we were traveling and it really happened for a year, year and a half. We just did a ton of radio festivals, which is a very interesting experience because our band started as a triple A band. We went to modern rock, then to modern adult contemporary, then to adult contemporary, and then to pop. So we played all these different types of festivals. So we shared like stages with like Monster Magnet and uh Seven Dust and then ended up sharing a stage with NSYNC and be uh what was a destiny's child and things like that. Right. So we ran the gamut. Like our band could just hang in so many different scenes. It was like more than us becoming famous. It was more like we just kind of showed up places. Right. Um, so the labels absolutely were precious about relationships with radio stations. They needed that. That was the currency and Hooch was a runaway hit. It was absolutely going crazy. Um, so we found out, and once again, when things start to pop off, it's like whitewater rafting. It's just happening all at once, and you're just flying everywhere, and things are happening and clicking and popping, and it's quite exciting and, and delightful, really. Um, so we get word that we were supposed to play, I do believe, the Neptune Fest, or there was a festival waterfront in Virginia Beach for a radio station, and somehow we got booked at the Edge Fest in Tulsa, Oklahoma on the same day. So the label was like, we are not going to cancel either one of those. So we're going to get you a private jet from Norfolk Airport, which is the closest big airport, to Tulsa. Um, and they sweet-talked the Tulsa radio station into letting us play second to last because that's like the soonest we could get there. Um, so we play on a nice hot summer day, oceanfront, Virginia Beach. And it was funny because it was like, we're going to get into a private jet, right? So it's like, ooh, a private jet. So they're like, we're going to send a limousine to pick you up to take you to your private jet. And you're like, oh, it's on now. So six of us plus two crew, three crews, so nine of us. And we're not a small, I'm like the smallest guy in the band. I'm five ten and a half. And I'm the smallest guy. So we all get in this limo. So when the limo shows up, it's totally like a Lincoln, a stretch Lincoln from like 1988. It's like 10 to 15-year-old, like kind of like has seen its day. So this old the stretch Lincoln shows up. We pile into this thing. When you do a radio show, you take your instruments and they give you backline drums, bass. So you're taking guitars, horns, stuff like that. We go to the uh, Norfolk airport, pull out onto the tarmac, and it's hot. I mean, it's like 96, 98 degrees and like southern hot, so it's sticky and humid. And there's a Learjet there. And so we're like, all right, cool. So we're getting in this Learjet, and I have footage of this stuff. So like taking footage of the Learjet is like first private jet flight. So we get in this Learjet, 
And it's a Learjet, so it's not a big jet. It is a small jet. And we all pile in with our instruments and our dudes and a cooler full of drinks. And, I mean, we are jammed into this Learjet. Like, I mean, I think my feet are up on this cooler. I'm, like, stuffed up into the side of the seat. There's, like, guitars. I mean, we can barely all fit in this jet. And they closed the door up, and as we sat on the tarmac, they can't turn the air conditioning on until we're we're moving to take off. So we're sitting there in, like, it's, like, 105 degrees in this private jet. We're barely fitting in it. We're on the tarmac. We're waiting and waiting and waiting to take off and sweating. And it's, like, totally like being back in the van, except for you're in a private jet. We take off. We fly to Tulsa on a two-and-a-half-hour flight, something like that, maybe three. And we fly into Tulsa, and there's something magical about flying into a festival while you're on a private jet. It's like you get the Quan. Like it just, you get the extra juice. So we show up, get a real limousine that would pick, that picked us up. And okay, But it's a 90s limo, right? Because it's still the 90s. So it's like kind of got like neon lights inside. So we go to the festival and like Candlebox is playing. And I remember Matt Penfield was there doing like the emceeing. And we get there, hang out for about an hour. And then... We go on stage and with those big radio festivals, there's just no rotation. There's hardly any break between bands. Like they would have two sets. So it'd be like band, band stop playing, next band. So we get on main stage and it's 30,000 plus people. You get like 30 minutes to throw down. And by that point, you know, our band had been playing almost a decade, 220 days a year. Like we know how to tune it up and to deliver. And we were really good at radio festivals, so we were great at the 30-minute set. Our band can also play a three-hour set and stretch things out and get totally weird. So it was a very, very flexible band. So we go up there, 30 minutes. I have a wireless microphone, and we just start to throw down. And it was mayhem. It was amazing. I mean, it was like you could see 30,000 people pulsing, like festival style. And there's like like uh, like almost like mist and smoke and dust coming off the crowd and it's just like epic and then people at festivals they during that era they would throw things that was like a, it wasn't like a mean thing but it was like throwing things like shoes like bras water bottles socks shirts cups and i see items just starting to come out of the crowd and for whatever reason in that moment with that wireless microphone and a band crushing it in front of a huge festival crowd, time slowed down for me. I felt at peace. I felt quiet. I felt like, oh, this is my element. I totally get this. And as I saw people throwing stuff, it was like they were throwing it in slow motion and I was just catching things. And I remember I had a small pile of items around the front of the stage as I caught things and would put them down there. Like I said, bras, shirts, cups, water bottles, like all kinds of stuff. And I just was catching it. And it was like, it wasn't scary. It was delightful. It was like, well, this is is super interesting. And we end up crushing the show. I have a blast. We have a blast. We leave a mark for sure. Leave, go out, you know, have a great time, you know, stay out probably a little bit too late. Um, and then 
fly off somewhere else and, and do something similar of probably a little bit less big, but still pretty big. Um, and when I'm digitizing the footage, I see that there's 48 seconds of me not only having this experience that's very slow to me catching stuff, but I'm also filming for a, a, bit, a small brief period of time. So I have a camcorder in my hand in front of 30,000 people. It's crazy footage because I'm in motion and it's like wild, like I'm a wild person and it's like a wild setting. So it's interesting that I have this very Zen-like memory of that. But when you watch it, it's mayhem because it was mayhem. It's interesting that I felt very centered in mayhem. Um, so it was really interesting to see that footage. Uh, you can check it out on my social media if, if that's uh, of interest to you. But uh, yeah, it was really cool. And I love big stages. I love that uh, the element of hyper-connectivity in those situations. It's a really incredible experience to have. I don't know what kind of a skill set that is. It's very specific. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. I hope that I will be on a stage with you around at some point. Or having a cup of coffee. Or strumming the old nylon string guitar. Either way, be good to yourself. Thank mm-hmm. you.